host is Sheldon Anderson, and welcome to the first episode of the PI Podcast. I've been hunting humans for over 30 years as a private investigator. My thoughts behind this podcast is to be able to help people getting out of bad situations and help you to prevent further problems. I'll provide tips, tricks, and advice to help you weave through the issues that you have. Can't promise it will all be easy and painless, but done right, you'll be ahead of the game. Like I said, I've been in the private investigation and security business for over 30 years. 25 of those years, I've owned my own agency doing protective agent bodyguarding and working every type of investigation case that is out there. Infidelity, child custody, workman's comp, personal security, bodyguarding. There's only a couple of types of work I won't do, and that is repo work and bounty hunting. Did those, and I always felt the unsafest. I'll be answering your questions through emails at privateipodcast at gmail.com. You can voicemail me, 612-888-3906, and you'll be able to find me at privateipodcast.com website very shortly. Like I said, we're going to work on answering your questions, and I think it'll be very entertaining for some people. Some people will be in certain situations and through emails, through questions. I'm willing to help you try to you know, get through those problems and assist you and giving you good advice. Now, I'm not an attorney. I always recommend if you're going through a legal situation, you know, if it's child custody, you should retain an attorney to have them tell you what you need. I get all kinds of requests to do things and it really doesn't, it's more for people's own peace of mind versus is it legal and is it going to help you in a child custody case? That's where you, having an attorney is going to help you the most. And they give me what they want. I can give you the outline of what you need, but depending on the attorney, your situation, it's always best to retain an attorney. And I prefer working through attorneys. But I'll give you the best advice I can on how to get through the issue that you're having. How I got into the private investigation and security field was... Back in the late 1980s, I was going to night school to be a police officer. And I had a friend who was with a chief of police of a police department in Minnesota. It was a small department, and they were going to contract with the county sheriff's office. And my friend was an older gentleman, and he had no ambition to go work for a big department. So about a week went by, and I'd seen an ad, not an ad, but a TV news segment on the local news that the private investigation and security field was a growing industry, again, back in the 1980s. So I talked to him and I said, hey, you know, you might qualify as a private investigator. And so I did all the legwork and found out you needed 6,000 hours of investigative experience to become a private investigator. So over the time that he had put in, you know, I figured, well, maybe he had a chance. Well, he said, well, I'll do some research. So I found a private investigator in Illinois, in Chicago, I think it was on Wacker Street, and he was willing to sit down with us and kind of give us the solutions to opening up your own agency. I looked, you know, I did the, nobody in Minnesota is going to sit down and tell you how to be a competitor, but this fellow was in Illinois, and he just strictly did private investigation. He didn't do security work. So we traveled to Chicago, and I spent about a week with this guy, and he was old school, had a trap door in the back of his office that went down to a cellar, 
and he had phone books back to the 1950s, didn't believe in computers, and computers were just starting to hold enough information to make make the work a little bit easier. So we came back. My friend qualified, got his license, and I went to work with him, and we started an agency in St. Paul. And I worked for him for a period of time, and I was doing all the most of the investigations and still doing some security work as well overnights, you know. So I worked every holiday, every weekend. We hired employees. They'd call in sick. We still had to cover it to keep the accounts going. So I worked for him for about three and a half years, and I decided I wanted to get my own license. So I filled out all the paperwork. My friend said, yeah, I'll sign off on you. Go to the board meeting at the BCA to get my license. And lo and behold, my friend decided that eh, he didn't think I had enough time in with him. So I think I needed like 900 more hours. little disappointed, came back, worked, and then decided I was going to go work for somebody else. Applied, told the guy my situation. He strictly did workman's comp cases. And I did personal injury stuff, but not necessarily for insurance companies. Mostly employees that just wanted to check up on their employees to see what they were up to while they were out claiming an injury. So this fella trained me in, worked with him, set me up with all the equipment. I went out, put the money down, and and furnished a, a surveillance van, curtains, uh, everything I needed. So I worked with him, and I did basically pickup work. Whatever he couldn't do, I did. And back at that time, the yellow pages were a big thing. And like I said, he strictly did work comp investigations. But I said, hey, if I run an ad with your agency, my phone number, we run all the payments through you, and it's under your license, and I'll give you, I can't remember what the percentage I was making. I was making 60%. He was making 40 But I knew to close in on the 900 hours, I'd have to keep busy. So I spent, I think it was close to $2,500 to $3,000 a month with a quarter page ad under investigations. Back at that time, you had to be in the investigation part of the phone book, detective part of the phone book. So there were two ads for one job. I mean, the phone company and the Yellow Pages had a real racket. So I ran the ad, and I was busy. Phone calls, and I still put his cases on priority. So after working with him for about a year and a half, I had well over the 900 hours that Minnesota Protective Agent Private Detective Board needed. My fellow that I was working for signed off on me. I went back and became my own agency owner. And I had a buddy that worked for me, worked with me, that he ended up taking my position in the personal injury field for the guy that I worked for. And there were still some months left on the Yellow Page ad, so he worked the cases. And I still got a percentage of the money that was came through on uh, phone calls to the my friend's agency. And it was a good win. And my other friend that I put on to him wanted to get his own license, so he worked for the both of us, and he ended up getting his license eventually, and everything worked out great, and everybody was happy. So I'll share my stories as a private investigator on infidelity, cheating spouses, doing background checks, sitting in the back of a van, lots of funny stories that taken me across the country and across the world doing different things for different people. But again, it's going to be 
entertainment part, I think, is going to be trying to help some people and you. If you have a problem, like I said, shoot me an email, privateipodcast at gmail.com, a voicemail, 612-888-3906, or connect to me at privateipodcast.com, which will be coming shortly, and I'll help you out and you'll help me out by sharing your story. So the best thing is let me know what you want to hear about and talk about, what, what your interests are. Again, we'll talk about infidelity. If you're in a bad relationship and you need to exit safely, I should say, um, to get out of it. And most of the calls these days, everybody that's been cooped up at home, the divorce situation is going to be very pretty in the coming months and burden on the court system, but it happens. So let me know what you like to talk about. Personal security, you can talk about keeping safe, how you do that at home when you're out, out and about, getting around, find yourself in a bad situation, how to get out of it and provide yourself safety for yourself and or your family. So I'll leave everybody with, I know I have a lot of friends that are tuning in and share a little bit about me and my life. So many of you know I was married. I married my wife, Olga, in Minsk, Belarus back in the year 2000. Seems like a long time ago. So in order to get married in Belarus, you either need to be Eastern Orthodox or you don't get married in a church. So we were married in a it's like, I guess it's a courthouse type setting. They call it Zags, which is some, they call it a marriage palace, but we call it basically get married at the courthouse. But in Minsk, the courthouse, it's not a courthouse. It's a nice private place. So when I was signing in on, after we were married, you have to sign in the registration calendar or book that they have. So when I went to sign in or sign out or sign that I was married, the, the woman that gave me the pen and book went back a few pages or a bunch of pages. I really don't even remember, to be honest with you. But she pointed on this page, and the signature on that page was Lee Harvey Oswald. So I was married in the same marriage palace in Minsk, Belarus, as Lee Harvey Oswald. So I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of a piece of history. So in the weeks later... Well, I was in Belarus and went to Warsaw, Poland to bring the documents to the embassy to be able to bring my wife to the United States. So we were married on November 3rd and we had to travel to Poland. She had to go through a medical exam, different types of screenings, background checks. So we ended up until like December 21st, we made it through connections and snowstorms. We made it back to Minnesota on December 23rd of 2000. So during the time that we were in Minsk, my father-in-law, who was a history buff as well, took me to the where the radio plant was in Minsk and to where Lee Harvey Oswald and his wife, Maria, brought me to their apartment or, should I say, flat that they lived in in Minsk. So... There's a little bit of history about me. Thank you, my friends, for listening to my first podcast. On the next episode, I'll talk about the warning signs that a significant other may be cheating on you. Although you may have suspicions or see early warning signs, you may be surprised in what really is going on. Once again, any questions, email me at pipodcast at gmail.com 
or leave a voicemail at 612-888-3906. Until next time, be good to others, be outstanding with outstanding out, and keep your head on a swivel.